everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. We are on the home stretch. We have today and next week is our last two messages in this Unshakable series. Has anyone enjoyed this Unshakable series? Of the course, we've done it. Um, we um, wanted to take this summer to really talk about foundational, the biblical foundations of the faith and lay an unshakable foundation that when the storms of life, not if, but when the storms of life come, that we could have lives that are built on something that actually will withstand the storm, that our lives don't have to be utterly destroyed uh, when we face opposition. And so I've enjoyed this series. I'm excited uh, specifically today to speak to you all. This is really an exciting time uh, to be a part of City of Lights. For those of you who don't know me, my name is uh, pastor John, I have the great joy of serving as the lead pastor here at City of Lights, and it's really been a neat uh, thing to watch as it feels like every week there are testimonies and opportunities that God is just opening up, and, and particularly as we're preparing for a move to the Avondale Meadows Y, we're going to be heading there August 20th. Anybody excited about that? I'm super, super pumped. Um, but it is because of all that's going on, quite honestly, that I believe that it is especially critical that we, uh, as individuals and also as a people, as a spiritual family, have ears to listen to what the Lord would say to us this morning. It's really important that if the mission of God for each of us is going to not only be accomplished but sustained, that we have the right fuel, you can have right intention and have wrong fuel, and it can spoil the whole thing. Our motivation matters. And so this morning, I want to unpack and discuss the great motivator that is compassion. Everyone say compassion. Now, if you would go ahead and you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew. We're going to look at the ninth chapter of Matthew, the book of Matthew. If you don't have a Bible, and feel free to follow on the screens. And uh, as, as I read this passage, you know, you might be new to us this morning or new, uh, whether you're new or you just need a refresher. Um, one of the things that is important to remember is that the word Christian, as Christians, we actually desire to be Christ-like. You know, the label Christian was a label given to those who were followers of Jesus. It literally meant little Christ in the same way that followers of Justin Bieber would be believers, course now he is a believer so I'm not sure what the believers are going to do about that but nonetheless as followers of Christ it's such a blessing that when we look into this book this Bible which is the word of God we believe it is the word the words of God that we have four eyewitness accounts called the gospels that are found in the beginning of the New Testament Matthew Mark Luke and John and these gospels allow us to have a very uh, close, up close and personal look at the life of Jesus so that as we look to be Christ-like, we can see, well, what was Christ like? 
and we can mold our lives and our character and our thinking and our patterns after him. And so as we look in chapter 9, what we see is that Jesus has been on a roll. Like there have been incredible miracles happening, people getting set free, the blind seeing, people being free. There was a, a, a young person who, had, who was possessed and couldn't speak, had a, had a spirit that was keeping him from speaking. Jesus had ministered to him, healed him. And now we're looking at this part where Jesus is being moved with compassion, and we see that compassion was truly the fuel that Jesus used. And so I want to look at Matthew chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 35. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for him. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Continuing in chapter 10, it says, and he called to him his 12 disciples He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I thank you this morning that the whole reason that we can have any hope, that we have any hope of transformation, of change, of freedom, of love, is because you were compelled with compassion to pursue us. Even in the midst of our brokenness and in our, in our rebellion, you pursued us with compassion. And Lord, I'm asking this morning that you would help us today to not only receive, but be moved, be compelled by this compassion, Lord, that it would transform us, that it would that it would drive us to love, to forgive, to show mercy. Help us as we look at your word, Lord, to be drawn not only closer to you, but more passionate about the things that you are passionate about. In Jesus' name, amen. Whenever I think of compassion, there is a story that tends to come to the forefront of my mind. And I want to share this with you this morning because whenever I think of it, it just kind of distills the, the most purest, most unadulterated form of compassion that I think of. And the story took place about two years ago. Uh, it was fall, and we were in the midst of fall ball, which meant that you would find us on the t-ball fields in Florida, in Tallahassee, Florida, uh, and that essentially equated to us praying to God while we were dripping sweat uh, for some gust of wind to come from the sea breeze to help us, or we were crying out to God, please, God, let our kids get on base, um, or trying to avoid uh, contracting malaria from the pteranodon-sized uh, mosquitoes that are in Florida. This particular uh, game night, we had a good friend of ours, Kristen Hill, who had come to cheer on the boys, and we were super excited to see her. She's really become a great friend, and her family have been, become very close to us. 
And as we were hanging out, just watching, catching up over some hot dogs and sodas, uh, she happened to share with us, as she was a researcher at Mayo Clinic, that her contract for the specific type of research she was doing had expired and that she was going to be looking for a job opportunity, actually following up on a job opportunity in the Tampa area. So fast forward, honestly, I could not tell you whether or not they won the game that night. Um, you know, it was kind of a toss-up, especially when you're watching T-ball. You're just like, if you can just hit it off the tee, that was a win that night. Um, but what did happen uh, in the following part is something that I'll never forget. So we were loading up our van, Swagger Wagon, and uh, the boys had already been loaded into the car. The back door of our van was open, and I was loading Johnny's stroller in. And uh, while we were standing, Kelly and Chris and I were standing behind the van, and Kelly, we were just kind of saying our goodbyes to our friend. And Kelly had asked Kristen if there was something she could pray for. And so she just pre- proceeded to tell us, really, that she would appreciate our prayers, specifically for finances and provision as she's getting ready to make this move. She's going to not, you know, it's not just moving to a new city, looking for an apartment, looking for a roommate, praying for the provisions, the moving expenses and all that. And so immediately we, we heard her, and we just started praying for her. Now, what we didn't realize is that while we were praying, Aaron, our then five-year-old, had been listening to the whole thing. And by the time we finished praying, he had gotten out of his seat, walked up to Kristen, reached in his pocket, pulled out 17 cents and changed and put it in her hand. Now, immediately, Kristen and Kelly and I were like, <laughs> but I was just blown away at his awareness to hear a need, to recognize that there was something that he could do and respond. Now, for Kristen, you talk about an incredible sign from the Lord, one of the most sweetest of packages about the provision of God. I mean, to this day, she actually keeps that 17 cents on a bookshelf in her living room just to remind her of the provision of God. But for me, it cut me so deeply because I just thought, man, that's the kind of compassion that compelled Jesus 2,000 years ago. It's the kind of compassion that, that calls us and, and draws us today. And this morning, I want you to know that, that the catalyst, that compassion is a catalyst for change. We, we, we can see so many things. We can talk about all the issues, and we can look all around us. You don't have to look far. You don't have to look long to see that there are deep pains and wants and needs and brokenness all around us. And the truth is that as people of God, we cannot afford to be numb and deaf to these issues. We can't afford to become so closed off that we miss the whole reason God's placed us here in the first place. Rather than being overwhelmed, God has called us to be a people who can recognize all the brokenness and all the ache and all the cries as a desperate broadcast of the deep need for the gospel to be at work. And so this morning, I want to talk about how is it that we ought to see, how is it that compassion should be working through our lives, the compassion of Christ working through our lives. We understand that the unshakable life is catalyzed by the compassion of Christ. I'm going to say that again. The big idea this morning is that the unshakable life is catalyzed by the compassion of Christ. First of all, 
Number one, point number one, we must be compelled by the compassion of Christ. What do I mean by that? Anybody can feel sorry for somebody. You can walk by like, oh, man, sucks to be you. Y'all here this morning? Come on. You know, it's like you see a situation, you see something, you're like, man, I'm glad it's not me. Anybody can feel bad for somebody, feel, feel pity for a situation. There's a difference between that and being, and being filled with compassion. Compassion is, it's, I love even just the way that it kind of ties in the sense of, of commonality or community and passion. It's, it's feeling the, the hurt or the ache of another one in such a way that it motivates you to do something. That we see this, this pattern of Jesus being moved with compassion repeatedly in the New Testament. Last week, we talked about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And when we look at that passage a little bit later in, in Matthew and also in Mark, what we see is it was out of compassion that Jesus had for the hungry that one of the greatest miracles of all time took place. That Jesus didn't just look and say, man, sorry you're hungry. Let me know how that turns out. But he was aware, he saw, he felt the need, and he acted. Now, I want to say this. One of the first keys to operating in Christ's compassion is just being aware. Like, I, when I think about that story with Aaron, have you any of you tried to harness the attention span of a five-year-old before? I mean, these kids, they just got finished playing a t-ball game, which means they also got snack afterwards. And most parents, when they provide snack for t-ball games, they're not like thinking about nutritional value and what they can get at Whole Foods. They're like gummies and juice boxes and Oreo. I mean, you just hopped up on sugar. There's so many things going on around him. Meanwhile, he's got baby Johnny, which if you know Johnny, Johnny is like a walking distraction. Just amazing, the blonde hair glow and the piercing voice um, and all that. And yet in the midst of that, he was able to be aware enough to hear a need. Look at your neighbor say, stay woke. See, we hear that phrase a lot. Sometimes we see it, hashtag stay woke, all these things. Really, what is that meaning? What is that referring to? What it's saying is many of us, because of circumstances, situations, a new news event will become aware, be made aware of something that has been there all along, but you never saw it. A pain that was there all along, but you never felt it. If we are going to operate out of the compassion of Christ, we've got to be aware. We've got to let it affect us. My uh, high school drama teacher he used to always tell us when we're, when we're going through our lines or reading our lines or rehearsing, he would say, let the line affect you. He said, don't just read it. Let it affect you. Compassion should affect us. It should hit us. It should, tra- it should stir in us in such a way that we can't not, we can't just sit and do nothing. We have to act. Now, the way, unfortunately, we tend to act is more like ready, shoom, ready, shoot, and aim later, right? We tend to be reactors rather than responders. And what we see is Jesus, he was moved with compassion, but what's his first action? He prayed. 
Do you know that praying is an action? That praying is not a passive thing. People say, I don't know if I can do anything. Can you pray? I don't know what to do. Pray. I don't know how many times I've, I've, I've had conversations, whether it's myself blowing, you know, venting to someone else or hearing many people come to me with frustrations and fears and concerns. And I just say, have you gone to the Lord and prayed about it? I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I mean I, I've been so busy. I've been trying to, can you pray? Because the creator of the universe, he's on speed dial. You know, he, he, he's accessible to us. We can call him up and tell him what we want. Yes. He's accessible. It, it's, I, I tell you right now, I'll just say this. You know who you are. But many of us, if we would take time to seek the Lord and pray before we hit sin, share, or reply, it would save a whole lot of frustration and broken relationships. We want to pray. Point number two is we want to pray with the compassion of Christ. Prayer should be our first reaction, our first response. We want the burden of others and the needs of the world not to overwhelm us, but we can go and we can take those to the Lord. We can take those to the one who carried them all on Calvary's cross. We can take them before Jesus and trust that his ways and his ideas and his strategies are better than ours. There are a lot of earthly humanistic strategies that sound good, but actually live horrible. And don't produce the kind of gospel transformation that the believer should be pursuing that God has called us to. There are so many people, just because it sounds good, doesn't mean it is good. And if this city, if the people that live next to you, if you who lives with you is to be changed the way God desires you to be changed and free and full, then we've got to go and seek his face. And not just with our own agenda. That's why we've got to pray with the compassion of Christ. What does that mean? Have you ever prayed with somebody that you wanted to fix? And you just pray all the things that you wish would change? I know we don't have any married couples that have ever done that. Lord, please help him to turn in receipts on time. Jesus! Lord, please help her to stop spending so much money. Lord, please Help her to just take the five minutes of attention that I give her and make it multiply, Lord. Lord, you multiplied. You fed the 5,000 with, five, with a few fish and a few loaves. Can you feed my wife's need for emotional intimacy with five minutes before the game? Jesus, can you do it? Can you do it, Lord? Can you do it? We pray based on our old selfish needs based on our own wish list of what we wish would change about somebody else so that we don't have to change? Can we pray with the compassion of Jesus to pray for people as he cares for them? Wherever they're at, in whatever place that they're at, we want to pray with the compassion of Christ. But it doesn't stop there. 
You see, we look, when we look at this passage, it says that <clears throat> Jesus said to the disciples, he said, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. But this is what I love. Chapter 10, it says, and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. So what happened here? Christ we, we want to respond with the compassion of Christ. What does that mean? Go. He's calling us to go. He's sending us. Out of compassion for us, Jesus was sent to the world to save us. We see that in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent God, 100% God, 100% man. God made flesh to us so that we could be reconciled. And achieve, having achieved all that he was sent to do on the earth, Jesus ascended to heaven with the promise that one day he would return and complete the redemption. And until then, Jesus is now calling you and I to be that answer to prayer. Can you imagine being a disciple and Jesus is on a roll and these guys are like the best wingmen ever, right? They're just like, oh, did you see what he just did? I mean, did you see it? I mean, I know you couldn't see it because you were blind, then he healed you, but now you see it, right? Like, they're just, like, loving it. Like, I'm sure for a while, like, early on when he called them to follow him, I'm sure, like, some of them were a little bit nervous. Man, I just put my last dime in that fishing boat. Man, I don't know about this following him, dropping this, and going, man, I hope this pans out. But then all of a sudden you're, like, worried, and then you see somebody get healed, and you're like, oh, bet. Yeah, this is working out. I think this is going to be nice. <laughs> you know, and so they're seeing, like, it literally, he's going through the whole town, the whole city, blind are coming to see, demon-possessed people are getting free, and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, and they're listening, and Jesus is telling them, hey, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Pray for the harvest. Yes, God, we're going to pray for that harvest. Let's pray right now. Let's pray. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Jesus. But they were actually saying yes, Jesus, because he was praying, and all of a sudden, they get to the end of the prayer, and they're like, ooh, that was good. That was good, and then he goes, all right, you 12, yeah, yeah, listen, I give you authority, you go. Wait, us? No, 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 we like to cheer you on. You go to the whole demon casting healing thing, right? We, we're, man, I just want to support your vision, Jesus, right? And he said, no, 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 the answer to that prayer is you going, you being a sent one. When we look at the word mission, mission comes from the Latin missio, which means sending. The sent one that was Jesus has sent us to be an answer of compassion. It's amazing how many times when we truly pray with prayers of compassion for others, how we will find ourselves as the answer to that prayer. We say, God, please send someone. See, please send someone to go, send someone to sow, send someone to, to these kids, or send someone to this community, and, and you finish, and God says, that was a quick answer. You're like, what? I'm sending you. Will you mentor that young man, that young woman? Will you sow into that need? Will you go into a place that feels uncomfortable, but where there is grace? Will you be willing to step out of your comfort zone and do something more than just like a cause on Facebook? 
He's calling us to be a people who can respond with compassion, not just talk about it. There's lots of people that are all about awareness, this awareness, that awareness. Appreciate your awareness, but can you respond? And can we respond with the only thing that can truly save and transform, and that's the gospel? Because if you're listening and you're thinking, okay, well, I think we're supposed to go, I know we're supposed to be compelled by compassion and we're supposed to pray with the compassion of Christ and we're supposed to respond with the passion of Christ and if that response is to go, then what are we going to do? I'm glad you asked. We, as a people, are called to go and be both messengers and ministers of reconciliation. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians we're going to look at chapter 5, starting in 17. I'm going to read this to you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. It says in verse 20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We must understand that as sent ones, we are called to be messengers and ministers of reconciliation. The ministry is not just about a handful of people that may or may not be employed by a church. Each one of you are ministers. If you have been adopted and grafted in this family, I'll say this, each one of you were designed to be a minister of the gospel. Whether you've answered that call or not may be the question, but each and every one of you were made and fashioned to be a messenger, to be a minister of this good news. It's important that we understand both of those things, that we are to both announce the gospel and demonstrate the gospel. Say announce and demonstrate. Announce and demonstrate. Now, when we talk about compassion and we talk about meeting the needs of the broken and the hurting, and it's not just about finances. There's plenty of emotionally dis distraught people that need the compassion of Jesus. But when we talk about this topic, one of the things that's become very, um, uh, very popular in this age is the phrase social justice. And I'm all about social justice, and we want to be about being socially responsible because really what it comes down to is stewarding the people and the places that God's placed in our lives. God's placed you in this city to be a part of loving and showing compassion and mercy and grace. And part of that is being aware of the needs and prayerfully seeing how do we get to be a part of it. However, I just want to highlight this, is that we should never elevate the idea or concept of social justice above the gospel. If Jesus is not at the center of our response, if Jesus is not at the center of 
justice, it's just about us. It's really just about us wanting to feel better about the guilt that we feel. Us to feel better about the situation so if we do this, we can sleep a little bit better. But is it really compassionate if we know that the only thing that can truly eternally transform a life is the good news of Jesus Christ and yet we're content to give you a blanket and not tell you about him? Y'all hear me this morning. That's not compassionate. I would actually dare say that's pretty hateful that we would have the remedy to every disease, every ache, every ounce of brokenness and fatherlessness and be content with giving you an hour of mentoring and never talk to you about Jesus. I'm not saying mentoring programs aren't great. I love them all. I'm not saying that every meeting and interaction that you have has to be a hard sell where you, you, know, you play uh, a music app on your phone so you set the mood right and just lead them to an altar call right there. But what I'm saying is, if you met with somebody over five times just to fellowship, at some point, if you really love them, maybe you should talk to them about the Savior of your soul. I'm just saying, ladies, if you've ever hung out with a guy in a social setting or various settings, more than a few times, and you have ne- he's not once mentioned his wife to you, something ain't right. Y'all with me this morning? If someone's at that deep of an intimacy, like you're one, and you constantly find yourself around them, and they never once bring that person up, doesn't that feel weird? For some reason, we just make that so normal in the kingdom. It's like, you know... I really like what we got going here, and if I mention him, I mean, it could get weird. So I just want to keep the relationship going. I don't want to be an offense. We have to announce the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. That the sin, that the brokenness of this world, that the the sin that has wrecked families and generations that there's an answer for it, that there's hope for the hopeless. We were singing the song Hope's Anthem this morning. I just love it. There's a home for the broken, for the orphan. There's a hope that we can declare and proclaim because that's really at the heart of what people want. Is there hope? Is there a reason to keep living? We want to announce. Announce means you gotta use your mouth. We got to tell. Now, I know what can instantly come to mind because it's come to me is you're just like, man, I'm just not really, I don't really understand how to preach this gospel or talk about the gospel. I need help. Hey, that's okay. But you know what? There's incredible examples of people in the scripture where they didn't really, they couldn't talk necessarily. They couldn't wax theological in the synagogue, but it was just simple as this. You know what? The woman at the well said, I just met this man and he told me everything that I ever, he told me about myself. He knew everything about me, and he showed me love. And people are like, wait, you? Oh, we got to go see him. There was another that said, man, I was this, and now I'm this. I was blind, but now I see. Sometimes just something as simple as that is all it takes to introduce people to the hope of glory. We've got to announce the gospel. But we also have to demonstrate it. See, the good news should result in good deeds. If we are connected to this 
compassionate king, it should actually translate until there being a greater deep, a deepening of love and affection for others to actually respond in kindness. Y'all hear me this morning? You with me this morning? I know those, those chairs are super comfortable. I can't wait till we get to the YMCA and so the chairs aren't as cozy. I know some of y'all like to pretend like you've been slain. I know you're just catching a couple Z's. But it's so important that we hear this because there can be competing groups that like to fight each other. You just got to preach the gospel. You just got to preach to people. Preach Jesus. Yes, we got to preach Jesus. But we also need to demonstrate the way he demonstrated. He prayed, and then what did he do? They went. He prayed, and he responded. We want to be... We want to look for opportunities. That's why it's important. You know, you say there's so many things to do. There's so many ways. There's so many mouths that need to be fed. How do we know what to sow into? Well, if you remember, we just talked about the second thing was to pray with the compassion of Christ. What does that mean? A lot of times Jesus, when we pray, the Holy Spirit wants to partner with us and help direct us. To help you understand, you know what? You can't do everything, but what do you have in your hand? I can do a lot with whatever you have. I'm so thankful that that night when we were praying for our friend Kristen, can you imagine how that might have felt for a five-year-old thinking, I've only got 17 cents. He doesn't know how much an apartment costs. He doesn't know how much it costs for moving expenses. Clearly that 17 cents wouldn't even scratch the surface and yet he gave what he had. Can you pray and ask the Lord, God, I don't feel like I have much, but I'll give you all I have. If I can serve in this area, if I can serve in that area, if I can just pray over, you know, there's so many ways. It's not just going to a soup kitchen. Can you serve your roommates with compassion? Can you love your siblings and the people in your home with the compassion of Jesus? You know, we, we've been doing sign-ups for our service teams, and one of the things that inspired me is I was talking to my mom, who she's, the, she's a saint, and, you know, she's mothered seven of us uh, in terms of her physical children and then uh, a spiritual mother to many others. And one of the things that she said that I hadn't even really thought about in this context, she said, whenever I hold a baby in the nursery, I just want to speak blessing and pray over them. I'm never just holding a baby. An opportunity, that's an opportunity to speak life. Speak destiny. Say, you know what? I might not be able to build an orphanage, but I can pray over a baby if I'm holding them in nursery. I can open a door and extend love to people and speak blessing over people. Romans 12 says, uh, 20 says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. It was compassion that moved Jesus to heal the sick to feed the hungry, to deliver the oppressed, and to speak truth and love. Likewise, we want to walk not just in thinking about deeds, but we want to walk in deeds of mercy and justice, compassion. We want to show and demonstrate that serving the Lord is not just right, but it's better. And it manifests in lives that are transformed, that love differently, that serve differently. This morning, we've talked about being compelled. 
with the compassion of Jesus. Praying with the compassion of Christ. And responding with the compassion of Christ. Being compelled, praying, and responding. You know, when, when I think of the difference between a first responder and a reactor, you know, if you are ever in a crisis, if you're ever in a bad situation, whether it's, you know, you know somebody or you've, you've, someone is drowned around you and they're trying to resuscitate them, someone's passed out, someone's choking, there, there's a, a, a significant uh, problem, whether it be on an airplane or in a place that you are, often the first thing people want is a first responder to show up. You don't want somebody to just kind of freak out and react, Right? Because who are the responders you generally think of? Like the fire department, uh, a medic, paramedic, a police officer. And why is it that you would want them to show up? Why? It's because the difference between a responder and a reactor is preparation. It's readiness. You know, it's like the fire department, they're ready. They're ready to respond. They're trained to be able to respond at a moment's notice. A police officer ready to respond and respond in the right way. Many times if there's a problem breathing... Uh, with breathing or someone is unconscious, you want somebody who's skilled, particularly like when it, whether it's <clears throat> you're a lifeguard or we have even child care workers, we want somebody on site that can perform CPR, that can help resuscitate. And you'll often say, is there a doctor in the building? Is there, is there a medic? Is there someone who knows CPR? Why? Because there is an expectation that this person has been, is ready and prepared to respond in the right way. My prayer is that as we walk around this city, as we walk in the areas of influence that God would place us in, that we could be a people who are first responders. That we can be moved and equipped with our own CPR. That we can be compelled that we can be living lives of prayer, that we can be living lives that are ready to respond with the compassion of Jesus. There are people hurting, crying out, and they've been met with some form of temporary need or, or temporary solution, something that just put a Band-Aid on it, and they are desperate for real transformation. Do you hear me this morning? It's not just, I'm excited to go to the YMCA, the Avondale Meadows Y. It's right next to Meadows Projects. But I have to help us see that brokenness is not just in the hood. Sometimes it's easier to see because it's just a little bit more externally evident. But all around us, regardless of the neighborhood or the family you're born into, is a people without a shepherd is a desolate and hurting people. And when they're crying out, is there a reconciler in the building? Is there a follower of Jesus? Is there someone who can love with the love of Jesus? Is there someone who can come and bring peace? Is there someone who knows a real hope, not just a puncher's chance? Can we respond? Can you respond? I am so thankful that when man fell 
because of our own rebellion and sin. That God responded. That there wasn't some negotiation, there wasn't some freak out moment, what do we do? Do we move the body? Do we leave? This wasn't in the plans. I thought I made everything perfectly. I said, this is good, and this is good, and this is really good, and and I gave him a white, I mean, what's happening? No, no, no. He didn't react in fear. He responded in grace. He responded in compassion. This morning, maybe you're here for the very first time. Maybe it's not your first time, but you know that you've been a sheep without a shepherd. You've heard about this compassion, but you yourself have not yet known it as intimately as you want to. You say, man, I'm tired of hearing about it. I want to experience it for myself. Well, first of all, I want you to know that the fact that you're here today is because of his love for you to get you in a position to receive it. So this morning, If you say, I want to know this Jesus, I want to know more about this lover. I want to know more about this compassionate king. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or stand up or put on a show right now, but I do want to ask you, after we dismiss, I want to ask you to come forward this morning. We want to pray with you. We want you to experience the miracle-working power of Jesus. He's the one that calls the orphan into family. He's the one that heals the broken. And I have complete confidence that he will meet you right where you are. For those of us who do know this Jesus and do call ourselves little Christ, I want to challenge us to be the people, to be the ministers and the messengers of the gospel that he's called us to be, not to gain approval, not to get another badge, not to to be able to feel better about ourselves, but motivated out of the deep compassion of Jesus. We can love because he's first loved us. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that you would fill us with your love right now. And Lord, I pray that not only would you fill us with your love for all those around us, for our friends, for our family, for our, for our city, for our state. But Lord, I also ask that you would remove any callousness, any bitterness, any presuppositions that has hindered us from really feeling the ache of the community we're in. Lord, remove the blinders from our eyes. Wake us up. Remove the the plugs from our ears that we can hear the cries, that we can see the ache, but not without hope. Lord, I pray that we be a people compelled with your heart for the lost. Lord, that it would it would it would drive us crazy, it would it would irritate us to not invite someone to be a part of your family. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just feel the compassion, but we would pray. Lord, I pray that you would draw us to pray more than ever, God. Not because we're trying to check off, uh, uh, check off that we prayed or I 
go down my prayer list, but Lord, that we would pray because we're compelled to, because we don't have anything else that we can do but cry out to you and say, God, how do you want us to love this people? How can we serve this community? How can we work together? How can we solve some of the most complicated racial tension issues and challenges in our city? Lord, how can we how can we be an answer for things that people have been working on for decades and still haven't found an answer to? We know that you have answers. Help us to respond. But I pray for the courage for those that need to receive you and come to you. Lord, I pray that you give them courage to respond. Lord, I pray that as we go today, Lord, that we would walk with a new and a different kind of CPR certification that would equip us that when the cry is lifted out, that we can say, here am I, send me. I thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and